Tonight, I want to do this sermon just a little different than maybe what a lot of sermons go. There's going to be a lot of scriptures, like single verses. Brandon, did you count how many I had to put in there? How many Brandon had to put in there? Sorry. Not sure. 20-something. Uh, and that is because I, I want to kind of throw at us into our faces a really uh, too hard, too good to believe kind of thing that God is actually happy. And even me saying that at times, I'm just like, oh yeah, but like, you know, Jesus was a man of sorrows, you know, uh, he suffered more than anyone on this planet. Uh, it was the Father's will to crush Jesus on the cross. Like those things don't seem very happy, right? So I, even parts of me want to like push back against it, but when we look at this massive amount of scripture that I'm about to go through together with you guys, and it's like, whoa, this, this is something that maybe there's just a wellspring of life for me to partake in for the rest of my time on this earth and into eternity that maybe I should take some time to consider it. And I would even go as far as <clears throat> not even just consider it, but to completely reorient my life around this idea that God is happy or joyful or what the Bible describes a lot as blessed. So this sermon will be a lot about who God is, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what he's done. So that's part of the challenge with this topic is because we only know God in relation to how we exist. But there was a time, and even time is not a good way to say it because God created time. So there was some type of existence before God created the world that we didn't exist and all the things that he created didn't exist. So throughout this, I kind of want us to like do our best to put ourselves there. Like have we ever imagined God completely outside of the context of what we see and how he's created us, how he's created the earth? It's a really weighty thought because there's so many questions, so many unknowns. Part of it sounds kind of boring, right? Because it's like, well, what was God doing? Like, there wasn't any creation. But, like, you know, there's, there's just so much we don't understand. And that's, that, I mean, that's part of being us as the creation, right? Like, we are subject to him and his ways. He is totally outside, even having created time. That it's not even accurate to say before creation, because before creation is a relative to time. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even know. I, but I hope you guys are kind of catching what I'm saying there, but it's like, <sighs> So before uh, we really jump in, I do want to say, like, this is just like dipping your toes in the water. That I have found that when, especially when my life uh, feels a little bit more whimsical or fleeting, that really looking at the nature of God, his character, completely outside of this creation, then that is like, that is the food that I long for. Like, what does it mean that God is good? How deep can I go with that? How many ways and wonders can I have there? Or how much time can I even spend in worship 
meditating on the fact that he is good and not evil. So I will say there's so many good books out there. I'm going to recommend four. <laughs> Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I forgot to bring that one along. Uh, that's almost like a, a quintessential like, Christian book of the uh, 20th century. Um, also one that uh, many of you guys have read before, C.S. Lewis, The Weight of Glory. Uh, also is a little, a little bit more philosophical uh, in a way, if, if that is kind of what gets you going, then that's a good thing. Uh, and then two of them that uh, have really, really impacted me that honestly, like just re reading these books, I'm just like, I want to worship after reading them. <laughs> so like even if you find yourself weary or dry in any way, like I encourage you to try something different that maybe you haven't read before. And, and I think these two books are kind of the, the ones that did it for me in a sense. And that's Rejoicing in Christ by Michael Reeves and also same author, Gliding in the Trinity, which I've, I think I've pitched this book three or four times from this. Yeah, Michael Reeves, Rejoicing in Christ and Delighting in the Trinity. Uh, and so these, I, these are up here if you want to take a look at them afterwards because honestly it's like I just this is a lot of stuff where I'm like okay this is so big and lofty to talk about that one I'm just going to use a lot of scripture uh, and two like I need help <laughs> this is it's such a big task so it's almost like a warning in a sense that I might say something wrong uh, because it's, like, again, we're talking about something that's so beyond us. Before creation, before time, before matter existed, the universe, all of that, what was God up to? Okay. One caveat before we really jump into the scriptures here. Uh, this is something J.I. Packer talks about in the introduction to knowing God. But the nature of revelation is such that it requires the person doing the revealing to make themselves known. I can't know someone unless they reveal themselves to me. And so that's what makes humans different than all other animals. is because we have more will, more depth, uh, more feelings, more history, more complexities that we can reveal ourselves to people in, in new ways that we can be married to someone for decades and then learn something new about them. So that's something to hold on to in all of this because when I think about God, I need to approach it as he needs to reveal himself to me. I can't take an idea and then kind of shove it his way and hope it matches in. That's one of the reasons why I'm just like going to throw a bunch of scriptures at, our, at us tonight is because I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of get a good grasp as the way that God meant to reveal himself to us. And this being one of the, the chief ways that God being happy that I think he did. Okay. So, uh, Brandon did a killer job and got all of these slides up. Brandon, I want to do Matthew 25, 23 here. This is kind of the ones I want to bank on. I'm going to go back to it a couple times here. This is in the parable of the talents. And obviously, all these verses, there's a context to them. 
I'm totally aware, and it's just unfortunate in terms of the time that I'm going to try to do this. <laughs> but think about the overall theme that we're going with here. So there's so much more to unpack in these scriptures than even what we can do. But this one I especially love. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So enter into the joy of your master. This sets the table here. That Jesus, when he was talking to a group of people about really their time on earth, the parable of the talents was, hey, what do I have this stuff? What do I do with this stuff? Jesus outlined, what do you do with this stuff? And the, the right reward for it was enter into the joy of your master. Not even like you're going to be really happy. It's that we're stepping into the space of God in his joy. Okay, we're going to keep going. <laughs> so, who is the Father? Who is Jesus? Who is the Spirit? The Trinity, uh, as it's known. So enter into the joy of your master. Something maybe to get out of the way to here. Uh, it's really easy to think of God primarily in wrong ways. Or, maybe not necessarily wrong, but incomplete. Like just, it's so close. One of those ways would be creator. So like if we assign God primarily as creator, then we totally forget about what I've set this up as. Like, he did stuff before creation. <laughs> ruler. If God is primarily ruler to us, then that has all sorts of implications you know, about how we might relate to him, and even why would he rule? If God's primarily ruler, what is, what is his motivation? Another one is uh, almighty. If God is primarily all strong, all powerful, almighty, then what does that mean about how he relates to the meek and lowly? Okay, so we can, we can, we can do a list of all that all day, but that's, this is why I'm starting with this passage, enter into the joy of your master, and then kind of saying, okay, let's, let's see how maybe some stuff isn't quite there. And God is those things. He is judge. He's ruler. He's creator. But why or how? So, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is where I want us just to like, uh, I'm going to actually do less sermon now. <laughs> In a sense, that was my sermon. Uh, and then I'm going to read these passages, and if I pause, I'm kind of inviting you to, like, sit on it for a little bit, okay? And then we're actually we're going to go back into worship after this. So really what this is all about is just setting our hearts for worship. It's like we get to read this, and it's like, okay, I'm going to, like, accept this and dwell in his presence and just see how he wants to move in me in that. So, John 3, 35. Father, what's this? Oh, yeah, I had another one here. Okay. <laughs> for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. So here's the key here. He gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son. He has given all things into his hand. 
So here we have the, trin the whole trinity at play in these two verses. I put verse 34 on my paper too and didn't tell Brandon. <laughs> he gives the spirit without measure. So he's, he is giving of himself. And then Jesus defines the father as the one who loves the son. First thing. John 5, 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So the reason that Jesus did the things he did was because the Father loves the Son. Again, he defines the Son as the one who loves the Father. The fa Jesus defines the Father as the one who loves the Son. Sorry. John fourteen thirty one. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So that was uh, before the Last Supper. So again, Jesus is saying, I'm obedient to what the Father is telling me, just so that you know that I love him. <laughs> I think that's just such a weird reasoning, right? <laughs> like, so that the world may know that I love the Father. So here, Jesus defines himself as the one who loves the Father. <laughs> Matthew twenty-five, twenty-three. Here again. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Jeremiah 2.13. In this, this context here is uh, the Lord rebuking Israel, who he actually called his firstborn son. Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here we have these two with Matthew 25, enter into the joy of your master, and then God defining himself as the fountain of living water. Psalm 16:11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. John fifteen eleven. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This one's a little crazy to me. It's almost like someone asked Jesus, hey, why are you telling all this stuff? And he says, so that you can have my joy and that it's full. <laughs> so you see these connections here. We have the joy of the master, the fullness of joy. So in God's presence, there is, does not exist any more joy to be experienced. <laughs> like we cannot come up with more joy in God's presence. It's impossible. 
so his disciples were like, hey, Jesus, like you just talk to us a lot right here <laughs> before, you're, before we're doing the Last Supper thing. Why? So you can have this fullness. I'm giving you this fountain of life stuff. <laughs> this, this thing that we can go on to for eternity. So here, the, the first few I read here, uh, Brandon, you don't need to try to whip him around here. Uh, so, he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. The father loves the son and shows him all that he is doing. And then Jesus did the thing so that the world may know that he loves the father. So here we have a good picture of what God might have been like before creation. What were they doing? They were loving. <laughs> How were they loving? They were joyful. When, when Jesus is outlining totally, you want to know who the Father is? He loves the Son. You want to know who the Son is? He loves the Father. What's going on with you guys? Joy. <laughs> Fullness of joy. So much that, here, come into my presence. Have this fullness of joy. That's the spirit going out. We're going to keep going here in this spirit. Uh, and again, there's like, I, I cut out a lot. Because <laughs> part of this too is like, as I'm preparing, it's just like, oh, but what about, and it's like, there's so many questions, right? Like, I get it. <laughs> That's part of what makes our faith great is that I don't have the pressure to, to get everything all perfect, but there's a level of revelation that God has given us that we can say things definitively, <laughs> or we can know these things with truth and certainty, that I can enter into the joy of my master, or that God does love the Son, and the Son died on the cross for me, and now I can enter into his joy. But that's sneak peek, okay. Uh, to recap here, the father was happy in the son. The son is the beloved of the father. I skipped. I skipped ones. Gosh. I had a back page. <laughs> I want to go back here. Yeah. Isaiah 42, Brandon. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. John seventeen twenty four. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. That's a fun one. <laughs> Jesus even lays out, hey, before we knew this world thing that you're in right now. There was a glory that the Father was like kind of bouncing off of me. And then I came down here and I'm bringing you into it. <laughs> okay. So going back to the Spirit here. Uh, how does the Father love the Son? What specific way does the Father love the Son? And I think a good answer to that is through the Holy Spirit. So, uh, 
Michael Reeves, actually, in the Delighting in God book, he says, the way the Father makes known his love is precisely through giving his Spirit. So Matthew 13, 16 and 17, is the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So the very first interaction we see of Jesus and the Father on this earth, kind of like colliding up, right, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, also includes the Spirit being thrown down. Everyone's like, oh! And he says, I'm well pleased with him. I am so delighted in who he is. The beloved son. So the loving includes the pleasure. So this is where it's like, okay, this, now I'm getting like, because yeah, we can talk about like God is love, God's, you know, all this stuff. And we think about love and how love can be hard sometimes and all this, you know. It's like with God, it's like before he created us, there, there was no ache here. It was complete pleasure. Love and pleasure are like here. They are attached. I love something because I delight in it. And then I praise it because it's worthy to be praised. It goes with anything. This is, a, this is the famous C.S. Lewis in Weight of Glory. When he talks about the, the, the nature of praise is that I'm taking delight in it. It's like anything that I praise, whether it's my favorite sports team or my wife or Ryan and Giselle for writing great songs, it's like it's because I enjoyed that. It was a cool thing to me. <laughs> and what's great about this, this fullness of joy is like God's like, here I have, God is love. I take full pleasure, full delight in him. Here's the spirit. Earthly ministry. What's going on now? Romans 5, 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Jesus, like in all these gospel texts that I read beforehand, he's kind of, he's, he's revealing to us the Father, the Father outside of how we know creation, how we might perceive things. And then he's saying, and this you get to be wrapped up in. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has been given to you in the same way that the Father sent his Spirit on Jesus at his baptism. He's saying, you, you're covered by my Son. I'm well pleased with you now too. Enter into the joy of your Master. In the Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the way that the Father makes known his love, makes known his love to Jesus and then conversely to us is through his spirit. That's the beautiful thing here we got, we got going. Notice, I'm not even necessarily trying to like say Trinity much, but just like, you see how they're, they're just 
bringing us in. <laughs> like how they're loving, how they're happy, how they're working. It's, yeah. Jesus is the anointed one. The many places in Scripture, actually didn't pull it out here, but a lot of places in Scripture define Jesus as the anointed one. A lot of Old Testament prophecies and then in some of the writings looking back on Jesus. And so how is Jesus described? The anointed one. As the one who got the Spirit. Again, Trinity in action. So fun. All right. So now, that was... Who is God? How do we define him? Uh, what, is, what was he doing? What is he like? And that's just scratching the surface. So we're kind of moving on to something else that should make us really happy too. <laughs> what makes God happy in relation to creation? Like, we know that God is happy now about Jesus. Uh, we know that he's delighted in the sending of the Spirit and how the Spirit's poured out. But in what ways, like right now, in this time and space that we've existed, what makes him happy here? And thankfully, the Bible tells us some of these things. Psalm 104, verse 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. So the Lord actually throwing up a fit about the things he's doing. That's crazy. Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So, this is something where it's like, oh, this is probably like some lie stuff to break down right here. He does all that he pleases. So, the good things that God has done for me and to me, he didn't do begrudgingly. It actually made him really happy to do it. It pleased him. Psalm 147, 10 through 11. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. So there's that connection to pleasure and love again. You want God to take pleasure in you? Fear him and hope in him. <laughs> Jeremiah thirty-two forty-one. This one's beautiful. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in the land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. God didn't save you half-heartedly. Like, he didn't have reservations with it. Jesus didn't balk at going to the cross. I will rejoice in doing them good. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Kingdom. It is his good pleasure to give it to us. Ryan and you guys want to come up? John 4, 34. 
Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So there's some distinction here with food. Uh, if you look at a lot of places in Scripture, um, everything from Revelation to Old Testament feasts and all this stuff, food is associated with party, <laughs> uh, delight, rejoicing, uh, celebration, you know, all this stuff. And so Jesus is like, hey, actually, the things that I t- take delight in is totally different. It's actually to, to please God. It's to do his will to fulfill his kingdom. Luke 10, 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So let's, let's break this down here. It says, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he revealed things to people who were humble. Because God revealed himself and said, hey, hey this is who I am. And Jesus said, yes. <laughs> that makes me so happy that you revealed yourself to them. That you got a glimpse of God. And honestly, I mean, Jesus' ministry here is almost it's like, yeah, that was kind of a glimpse. It's like, now we know, like, we get all of it. We go from glory to glory. Yes, Father, such was your gracious will. His gracious will. So this is where, uh, yeah, I want us to stand. And this is, like, we're going to, I'm going to read a few more scriptures. And this, like, I really want us to, like, like reading the scripture is worship here. Okay, and then we're going to actually sing songs. Because it's like, that's just a really good response. I know, like, I'm, I'm a musician, so it's like, it's more, like, natural for me to, like, like, oh, something makes me happy, I'm going to sing, you know? And it's like, now that i got a two-year-old daughter, it's like, you know, just everything's a song, because it's like, that's what Daniel Tiger is on TV, right? So, like, they turn everything into a song, so it's like, now I'm like, I'm washing my hands. Yep, yep, you know? Uh, but it's just like, it's a natural overflow of the human heart that when something makes me happy, there's a song associated with it. Like, even, like, sports teams got fight songs, am I right? So, like, it's such a natural thing we're about to do is just to sing in happiness about God who is happy. So let's like sit in this for a little bit right here. That there's this this connection to love and pleasure that God has revealed. I didn't need to coerce him to reveal it to me. It was there before Genesis 1. That's why John tells us in 1 John, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Romans 5.5 5. 
and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's the imagery right there that I think the Lord wants to pour out to us right now. I want you guys just to close your eyes if they're not already. And do whatever's helpful in this, in this imagery. But just set your mind here. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that God's love has been poured into our hearts? It's that he delighted, that he does delight. That there's a, there is a fountain of living water. There is fullness of joy. Jesus came so that his joy would be in us and that our joy would be full.